This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. See, I'm always, you know, because the problem as we get older and let's say, like my wife will always say, you're shopping for your brother. So I got to figure out, okay, you know, how do I, uh, can you turn me here? And you got, and you got to keep, like, you got to keep shopping. Yeah. (laughs) Which one is me here? Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, what am I gonna get him? I mean, he's a golf pro. He's got everything. That, all our hobbies. It's always all our hobbies. Yeah, right? like, what am I gonna? But I get got him? him golf stuff last last year. I've gotten him everything. I've got him Pebble Beach stuff. Like, he doesn't want any of that stuff anymore. So <laughs> what I did one year was I got him a tequila subscription. So every, I think it was like twice a month, a new bottle of to, two wow. times a month, the bottle of tequila showed up. And he probably loved that. Loved it. it was yeah. best gift, <laughs> best gift I ever. I've gotten him all kinds of stuff. Like I bought him the smoker. He never even used it. Uh, the tequila, he used it. So I'm yeah. thinking field work. Box of field work. There if they're go. gonna deliver, isn't it a great idea? Get like the subscriptions. Oh, give it field work. If you could put a bow on it for us, that'd be great. Isn't that money? <laughs> Wouldn't you love that as a like, like every single month, like all of a sudden a box of beer shows up. This is it's Christmas every week. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how are you doing as we're coming down the stretch? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, a lot of uh, interesting storylines as we get here to the last couple of weeks. No doubt. And we're going to have Mark Kotze coming up here at 5 o'clock. Mark Canna. What time are we playing Mark Canna? Is that at 4.30? Yes. I already taped Mark Canna earlier today right next to the uh, right next to the dugout. I talked a little food with him in the, in the clubhouse. I got to tell you, it, it was not like – Overly emotional, but it was emotional because, you know, we have known each other now for a long time. Uh, I live in the area that he grew up in in San Jose, so I run into a lot of people that have known Mark since he was a a little kid, and we were talking about that. And I told him about how, you know, you guys are the last of the group. You kind of get sad. You know, the season's wrapping up, and and actually, as I was doing the interview with Mark Hanna, Chris Bassett walks by, and I put out the uh, – uh, I put out – we fist pump. as we, I know he's starting pitcher, so you're not going to talk to him. But, but he came down to talk to people. He was hugging Sean Murphy and Vimal uh. Machine, and then he walked by as I'm doing the interview. We fist pump because I knew Bassett real well, too. And, uh, yeah. It's kind of sad it to is, see him here. It is sad. It's, it's also a unique experience for me as a national writer to, like – they get they go into all the other clubhouses. So almost every clubhouse I go into, there's like a former A that I can be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Isn't that strange? Yeah, it is. I think 
Uh, it's bittersweet, though, because they'll always have the memory of this time that was here. Um, and they are, for the most part, on these you know teams that are doing well. And like for example, the, the you know the Mets are in town this weekend, and they they're in the fight for their for the division and in kind of their life because there's a really big divi the difference between winning the division uh, and winning the wild card. So you get the Braves hot on their feet, and they're going to have a series, the Mets and the Braves, uh, next weekend. Uh, the three of them, and they they both want to be. You know, the Braves want to, want to be ahead or want to be tied with them going into that series, and the Mets want to get as clear as possible uh, so they can, you know, lose one of those games and still be fine. So, uh, you know, the, the, they're coming in here to win, and they have to be, they have to be concentrating on that. Uh, but, of course, they, they, they find themselves in their old confines and kind of uh, reminiscing back on the, the times that they used to have here. If you are the New York Mets and you've got Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer going, you have to sweep. I mean, you're in that point where the Braves are not going away. You still have the series next weekend against the Braves. As you said, you're not catching the Dodgers, but you want that home field. You want that bye. The games like this are kind of must-wins in my book. I mean, you've got to get the – because who knows what's going to happen because that series is in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't know how that's going to go. You need to get these victories. So, it's a fun week. And I think for the A's players, especially all these young guys, this is what you dreamed about, right? Scherzer, DeGrom, to face the best of the yeah, game. Well, this is like you, you grew up. Marcotte was talking about that, and, uh, you know, in the, in the pregame. And it's really interesting to think about all these guys that have been calling up who are auditioning for spots, basically, and how, mu how much better can you – what better of an impression can you leave on your front office and your manager than doing something good off of Max Scherzer or doing something good off of, uh, you know, these, this trio of pitchers that's coming into town. So, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be – it's a big weekend. This is the time of year because of a thing called, like, recency bias. You know, even if we try to, like, not think about what just happened the most, we always do as human beings. We always remember what just happened better. And so, you know, these young players are trying to, you know, trying to audition for the A's next year. You know, it's really important for them to, to do well down the stretch. I'm going to write this number down because this number was really a magical number in our sport. And are we connected, my friend, Ray? We having trouble? We are live on iHeart and, of course, A's cast, but we are having some video issues. So no YouTube and Twitter as of now. Okay. So then I'm not going to show the number. Uh, 60 is a magical number in our sport. And I, talking to you before we came on and then listening to Brian Kenny and his crew on MLB Now today, a show that you're on, now, you're mm -hmm. on all the time, I think I'm a tweener because the guys on his show, like a Jason Stark, Brian Kenny, and Joel Sherman, are much older than I am. You're much younger than I am. I'm, like, in between you guys. So I think the way I'm looking at it now, and I'm, I'm really pulling this out of, out of thin air here because I just thought about that as getting ready for this. The magic number 60 that was held for so long by Babe Ruth, that really was one of the number one numbers in sports. You think of, like, Wilt Chamberlain's 100, uh, Babe Ruth's 60, you know, these round numbers, and then Roger Maris getting 61 was such a big deal. So where I mean, where why am I a tweener? Well, I kind of see 
where the old guys are, where they're kind of pissed about the steroid era because it threw the game's records out of whack. That four or five year period where McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds made 60 look like a joke. And we haven't seen it since, and we had never seen it before other than Ruth and Maris. And then there's a younger generation that's kind of get over it. I loved it. It was great. I did because you said to me, I was a Bonds guy. I watched it. I loved it. I was a kid. I was I, I was a kid, a high school and college kid. Like I, I was here. I came out to college here when Bonds was doing all that. Like I was in college, 9701. Like I, I was going to all those games. I saw all those those like record breaking homers, and he was uh, the best player I'd ever seen in my life. And I don't think I can erase that. You know, I know, I know everything that everyone's saying i know i know and i also wouldn't want i have kids now and i wouldn't want to tell my kids like this is the way to be drugs are okay (laughs) cheat to win you know see that's where i could just be are you saying drugs are okay right i don't and i don't i'm not saying that but at the same time it's irrevocably there like i i still remember it you know i was there and it was so it happened it was so exciting too like it was fun man it was fun and in a way that that the judge almost doesn't have judge is gonna win this home run race by more than it has ever been won you know like like ruth is the only guy that's had the disparity between him and the other guy yeah but made that so exciting was there was it wasn't just bonds it was it was McGuire and Sosa, and so it was like every night there was a different team to like check out the highlights for, and every night they were pushing each other, and they were just pushing and pushing and pushing, and I mean that was. Uh, that but was there's right and there's wrong, and in the end, it was wrong, and that is where our sport has trouble, because yeah. I can like. I can hear Vince Catronio. If he's back there, it's in the record books. And I've had Mike Farron. It's in the record books. And that's where I joke. It's like, oh, it's like Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, and behind him was the baseball record books, and they could never be changed, which is a load of crap, right? I mean, we can change. We've changed the laws. I said to you. I mean, you can get really serious and go. Remember, women couldn't vote. I mean, we've changed things in this country. We have righted wrongs. So baseball could right wrongs. It's a tough call, but. I think that the the line that I would like is I would I would actually like him. It it would make more sense for me if he was a Hall of Famer and his record was and he he lost the home run record. Like because to me the Hall of Fame is a museum, right? And so he should be in there because it's just a museum of what happened. However, the record book and also you know championships and things like that. Those are you know if they were gotten by ill-begotten means they can be expunged i mean other sports do it you brought up the the college and i've thought about that to where as much as people have hated it and i'm going to say it the ncaa and i've had my i've had my own personal dispute back in and and playing at San Jose state i had an issue with the ncaa but um they had the balls to do something about taking away national championships. They have. They've taken away. They've taken stuff from people. Like, and, and they're like, we accomplished it. They went, oh, that's great. Whoop, you're out of the record books. We're taking back. You know, we, you know, they can. Reggie Bush doesn't have his Heisman. I mean, there's, there's things that have happened in college sports that they. I, it just, for me, I still want to think what's happened is really special. Aaron Judge is truly having one of the greatest years we have ever seen. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard to, to just uh, – you, but you can't erase what, what Barry did because even if you do erase it out of the record books, it's, not, it's still happening. We're still going to remember it, you know. 
and there's still going to be records that are kept. You know, like yeah. there might be an official record book where he's out, but if you go on Baseball Reference or Fangraphs, they might decide to leave it up there. You know, uh, so you know, I just think. Um, uh, it's it, it's hard. Sometimes it, maybe it doesn't have to be a debate, though. Maybe we can just uh, appreciate Judge's season because it is otherworldly. And what I love about it, too, is that he's doing it not in the juice ball era. Like, the juice ball era is kind of officially over because they deadened the ball. Is this the humidor era? This is the humidor era, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's doing it at a time when, you know, 60 is uh, really uh, above and beyond. I mean, second place has 40. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, and I think it also is relevant to the Otani debate when it comes to Otani for MVP. I think that, you know, wins above replacement does do give us a good job of like, uh, does do a good job of adding, you know, what Otani does on the offensive side with what he does on the pitching side. Um, and, you know, he, he's having a really good season. I think he can win the MVP in other years. But when you look at what uh, Judge is doing, he's doing, he's above and beyond that. He's having actually one of the top 25 seasons of all time in all of history. And there are a few seasons above it that have asterisks. The people who are Otani people totally understand. And um, I find it when people say, we've never seen this before. Yeah, we have. We saw it last year. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired of hearing I haven't seen this before. I saw it last year. It's like, it's like when I get my cre- – here's you'll, you'll like this analogy. If I have a Christmas gift, right, I get that Christmas gift It's so special. Well, when I play with that same toy next Christmas, I've already had it before, <laughs> right? This is, I mean, I, I already got, I, the Christmas has already happened with Otani yeah. last year. It's still special, but yeah. I have seen it already. And what's funny is we've seen that uh, play out with Mike Trout and Willie Mays where they had amazing seasons after their first initial, uh, you know, a couple of amazing seasons and lost the MVP to people that maybe weren't even as good. Because people were like, yeah, yeah, I know, Willie Mays, he's really good. But this guy's the MVP this year, all right? We saw Willie Mays. He did that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you yeah. Know? We saw Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah, Mike Trout is really good. He's probably the best player in baseball. But this year, the MVP goes to this guy. <laughs> and I wonder, and I don't know how to do this. I, I don't even know if you will. But if we take pro Otani people, I would like to see what their record was in the past on pitchers being up for MVP. Because there's a lot of people that think – Pitchers should never, sorry, Dennis Eckersley, that, that pitchers should never be the MVP. And if you were on that side, kind of hard for you now to be on this side to say, well, Otani should be because he also pitches. But wait a minute, you said in the past that, because a lot of, I would say 80%, there's a lot of people in this game who do not think pitchers should be up for the MVP. Yeah, and my retort to that normally is, uh, you know, if you look at how many batters a starting pitcher affects, like how many plate appearances he affects over the course of the season, it is about the same as a hitter. However, uh, that doesn't, he doesn't have the same amount of fielding. Uh, you know, as a as a as a as a position player, and there is a difference between posting up every day and doing it every five days. There just is a difference. If you get four days off, it's a lot easier to be good on the fifth day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I use I I say this and it's keep it simple, right? Do you realize how many hundreds of innings Otani doesn't play? <laughs> and when you say that to people, they go, "Huh, I never thought of it that way." And that's the problem with being a DH is. If a game, our game's three hours and seven minutes, your at-bats are probably less than seven minutes. So the other three hours of the game, you're not even a part of it, and that's the problem when you don't play defense. And the thing about Otani 
is he could. He's such a great athlete. He really could. It would be so interesting to see him play. I don't know. We're worried about his arm and play first. I I would love fatigue, a vote. Fatigue is how injuries happen, though. And you just you think this guy would fatigue so fast, but he's so fast. I think you know at, at least early on he could be a center fielder. I mean, I think he's that good. I mean, oh you no think doubt. About how fast he is. Yeah. He he is. He's long. He's tall. He I, he, I mean he's. He's a great athlete. He's an unbelievable athlete. Uh, You've written a piece on rule changes. The rule changes, enjoy your shifting now, baby, because it's out of here. You love shifting? See ya. It's out of here. You got a few more games. But you did the rules. You don't think it's going to change as much as we think it is? You know, I think on a player-to-player level, we won't see that much change. I looked at it and I said, like, Matt Olson, for example, is uh, he's a guy who hits it up the middle where the shortstop's not going to be anymore, right? Up the middle on the first base side. Uh, and so that's worth maybe eight more hits to him, uh, given you know uh, what he what what his tendencies were this year uh, and what he could do next year. So uh, that's worth eight hits. He also hits a lot to where the second baseman is, and that could be worth another three to four hits. So for Matt Olson, you're talking about ten hits, which is not even ten points of batting average, right? So I think on a player to player level, it's not going to mean that much. However, if you add up three to five to ten hits per player. It's a lot uh, of hits. It's going to be a lot of hits for the game. That's a lot of balls in play. Which is what we wanted. But um, I was also surprised when I went on to pitcher pace uh, that I found that um, even though we've shown in the past that slower pitchers throw harder um, and that it makes sense in your head to say it's like weightlifting. If I wait longer between reps, I I can do bigger weight. You know, I can throw harder. Um, that's true. However, I looked at pitchers that had changed pace from year to year, and there was no change in their fastball velo. So I don't think that we'll see fastball velo go down for most of these pitchers. We, they may be uncomfortable. There may be a, a, a ramification for the running game because there's rules about how many times you can throw over to first, and there's gonna be it's going to change the way the game looks, and I like, you know, I like it you know, the faster games. I've, I've enjoyed those at, at San Jose. But uh, in terms of reducing velo, I'm not sure it'll do that. We're just going to have to wait and see on that. Very much so. I'll, I'll give you a case in point the other night. What, what's the Giants closer's name? Camilo Duvall. Duvall. Watching the game, they had a rain delay. He is slow, I think. Right? It's Monday night football. It's after Monday night football. It's the second game, Monday night football. I can't remember. What was the Monday night football games? It was the Bills and... Bills, Titans, and Vikings-Eagles. Vikings-Eagles. So it's after that game. We're watching the Giants game. We're at our favorite uh, rookies sports lodge in San Jose. And he comes on. It's been a rain delay game. No one in the stands. Two, two teams stink. Yeah. They stink. And, and he's walking around the mound. And I'm like, and there's no sound, right, because the, the, it's now in the football post game, and I'm watching it, and I'm saying to the guys, watch, this guy is clearly taking over 30 seconds <laughs> he was getting the ball rubbing the ball up walking around getting on the mound he'd spit look towards the dugout looking around and it's got to be after 20 seconds then getting in it it was it's like bro Throw hurry the the, i mean <laughs> he was in no and that end of the game giants would end up giants would tie it i don't remember that but all i remember is watch that going He's the problem. Mm. He's the exact end of the game, two teams, doesn't matter anymore, and nobody it, in the stands, and he's taking nearly 40 seconds. The slowest, the slowest pitchers are relievers. It will matter the most to relievers. 
um, and it'll be interesting. I, I think that one thing that that does that does suck the life out of a game is pitching changes and then relievers coming in being slow. It really does because that's supposed to be the most exciting part of the game, right? You're getting to the seventh and eighth and ninth innings, right? You're supposed to be like on the edge of your seat. Like this game could go either way. And then uh, the guy comes in. And it used to be worse when they didn't even have the three batter rule. Oh, oh, he came out for one guy. Remember September when they had all the pitchers were up? That was the worst. And then you'd have like the Brewers were the worst at this. You know, they'd have a guy pitch to one guy. They'd come back out. And then they're all like slow pitchers too. So the game would just add an extra half hour for like an inning or two. Um, and I think uh, – I think I think we're on the right track when it comes to that. I, I think you know I do want to speed the game up in that way. You know when I I think about the winter meetings, we'll be there in San Diego. Brought to you by Fieldwork Brewing, by the way. He and Osiris with A's Cast Live in San Diego. That's right. The game is legislating against the front offices. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. Or the, trying to change the incentive system so that the front offices work differently yeah do you think we'll talk to because we we end up talking to all the front office guys i'm gonna ask them all how do you feel about that that baseball is trying to change what you've done right you've paid a lot of money for that shifting information you've spent whether you've bought the numbers from a think tank or you've paid people to get you numbers you've you've invested time and money and we're taking that like how do you feel how do you my, think how do you think they feel my preview for this is because you know i have friends in the front offices analytics and and, and and the way that i think that this works is you know i've got uh two i've got two sons the older son uh plays the games by the rules and uh and you know wins or loses and he's fine with it the younger son cannot lose just does not want to lose and will change the rules no matter what to win right and what we all say to him is dude just tell us what the rules are and we'll win and i think that's what front offices are like tell us what the rules are we'll win you know sometimes sometimes if you know, they might the rules, bend it a little <laughs> bit I mean, you know, there was this guy that uh, used to have a football team here the hall of famer al davis said just win baby so there was a <laughs> thing win, with, with with rules and no one seemed What's to care the baseball but, saying is uh, if you ain't if you ain't cheating you ain't trying yeah that's uh but i gotta tell you the team that i'm rooting for now because we we did this on nbc who are you rooting for i'm rooting for the guardians yeah and because they make a ton of contact you ready for the contact that they make? And they lead baseball. Majors contact percentage, 80.9. And they lead in sack flies. But uh, their offense also went in the tank for a full month. It's okay. That's why they have pitching. Yeah, they right. pitch. <laughs> and they have starters. And they have starters that just don't go five and dive. I, it, I've watched a, a fair amount of Guardians games, and it is exciting. It is exciting to see the, bounce, the ball bounce around. And it's not, it really is not the wait around for a walk, wait around for a homer. And uh, it, is, it is something worth watching. But on the, on the pitching side, they are using shifts. They are using all of the analytics and, you know, whatever they can. And some of them might be using some sticky stuff uh, <laughs> uh, to, to, to suppress runs. So they are, they are a very analytical team. I think that they just made a, 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 a they took a chance. They took a chance and they said we're gonna we're gonna build a team based on we're gonna have contact first. And some of them will build power like Jose Ramirez, and some will just be Stephen Kwan, which is still pretty exciting. I gotta tell you, if the sticky stuff, if you could say sticky stuff makes the games go faster, 
I would give you a bucket of it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a bucket. I'd go get a Home Depot bucket, and I'd put it there. Dig your, put your whole hand in yeah. there, pull it out, slop it all over yourself. If that makes the game go faster. It does not, dude. Because it, it means more pitches and strikeouts. Yeah, I know. I, strikeouts. I, I wish. Um, when it comes to the A's, can I be excited about the offseason at all? Yeah, yeah, no, I think um, what's, what is exciting is that some of these rules, I think these new rules will uh, be good for the A's. Uh, the, the A's have a really young pitching staff. We've talked about this, the stable of pitchers that's coming up. And they're not going to be affected by the pitch clock at all. They have all at been, all. They've, been gr- they've grown up in it. They know, they, they're, they're, they know all about it. They've been, they've been pitching the minors with these rules. So um, I'll also think that on the offensive side, since they are so young, they are well-equipped to run. You know, they will have uh, uh, what I think is most interesting about, about running with the new bases. The bases are bigger, uh, and so the base paths are about five inches shorter. I think what's so interesting about it is not the top guys who take off all the time they can anyway, you know, but the kind of middle guys that are fast enough where the go-no-go no go line is going to change, you know, because it's five inches shorter. And so guys that maybe stole one or two or three bases now could jump all the way up to 10, 15, you know, because they're the, 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 the calculus, the math has totally changed. So, you know, I think that some of these guys that they've got coming up uh, will will be able to take 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 that and, and run with it. <laughs> let, let, let's end on this. And I, I would bet anybody I believe that this pickoff. It's just it's 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 like just to get the fire started, right? Just a little kindling to get the fire started. And once it gets started, they'll immediately change the rule. They just need to kickstart this. I did I did talk to you're talking about the only you only have two you, throws. You over. can only throw over twice. I, I think I think they're just gonna get that going. I think there's gonna be problems with it. I it's gonna be, be with they I just, just they, to they, a, they a need to get running this. going yeah. and once they get it going, they'll change it. One, I, I talked to a pitcher about this, and he said he just thought that the penalty was too high. Uh, the third time was you throw over, you either they, they either get, get second him, or yeah. you get them, right? Uh, and he was saying just giving people second base will devalue the stolen base in terms of entertainment value. Because if you just keep giving people second base, then it's, it's not, that's, not stolen, that's not stealing bases. That's not fun. Just giving people second base, that's like more intentional walks, but on the base pass. You know? so like, that's it, something it, that should be kicked so out of baseball. His idea, walks. maybe they'll do this in year two. I like this. Um, and I, what I also like is just creating a culture of we can change the rules, and then we'll play with them. And if what works, works. And what doesn't work, doesn't work. We'll, we'll move on. You know? uh, well, his idea was it should be a ball if I throw over so now there's like a different calculus, right? I've thrown yeah. over twice. If I throw over a third time, it's going to be an extra ball. Do I have the extra ball to do it? And that hitter, that, that guy on first doesn't be, think that like, oh, the next time he throws over, I just run. You know what I mean? Like it's more like, ooh, is he going to throw? Oh, it's three balls. He's not going to throw over. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more cat and mouse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if, that's the, if that's the year two of this rule, I also think what's interesting is you can actually have an outfielder sit where the second baseman does in the shift right now in that Correct. shallow right field. However, with the pitch clock, you uh, you got not much time, right? So maybe when the guy's walking up, you say, oh, uh, we've, as the guy's walking up, throw that guy over in short right field. We won't have a left fielder. Well, now you've got an open left field. If the guy can get the ball over there at all, it's a double. You're giving That's up a lot more. Hey, and someone tried to throw that throw that at me. Swear to God, someone tried to say, well, they could still do whatever they yeah. want with the out. I said, 
You've always been able to do that. If you want to put three guys in right field, you can do that. Yeah. I'm fine. You can but do whatever you want. They haven't done a lot. They've done extreme four-man outfields for like but Joey Gallo. But it's always infielders. Yeah. It's always infielders. Yeah. If you want to do, if you want to put three guys in right field in your outfield, <laughs> you can no do one ever right said now. you couldn't yeah. do that. You can do whatever you want with your outfielders. We've said outfielders, you can play in left center, you can play in right center. We can do whatever the hell you want well, with your outfield. Think about this as a, as a potential future. I don't know if this is a horror escape for you or kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun. Ban the cards, the shift cards that tell them where to stand, right? Yeah. Then they have to start memorizing it, right? With, with, the, with the pitch clock, they might, it might be a little bit more like football, like get in the cover two, get over here. And then so you might, between pitches, have the outfielders sprinting around into new locations. I like that. that I think it would be fun. That, 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 that ups the athleticism needed to play the game. Now you can't just have, like, DHs out in left field. Yeah, because, like, you know, once you hit 10 seconds, yeah. the uh, – Sprint, you got to get over to left field. But and like, you, got the, you got the coach at the top step, left field, left field. Like you got that, the guy running out there. That that earpiece in the inner, in the uh, quarterback's helmet and for the earpiece in the defender, the one defender, the green helmet, uh-huh. it goes dead. That, uh-huh. that uh, coach cannot talk to you all the way up to the snap of the ball. There you go. It, it dies. So, so we, we could have cards. We confusion. could have coaches with cards. Be like, left, all left, right. left. <laughs> if it gives me, if we got that, if. Yes, confusion, running, play, athleticism, less standing around, waiting, no action. I like that. Can you imagine a outfielder at a position and the ball's where he's supposed to be and he's running after it. That's inside the park home runs. That's more triples. That's and the, the coach is red-faced yelling at him. And then after the game, he's got to answer. Like, why would you have your right fielder in left field? Now he's running he's like, back I thought, there. I thought this person was up and it was this other person. and Or I, I, I mismemorized my packages. I have no problem. I think that would be that would be actually that'd be interesting. I think it would be fun. Well, this is great. I love doing this. Yes. We'll have it all the fun. way off in the offseason. Field work's going to bring you down to uh, the winter meetings in San Diego, and we're going to rock it in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we should have a, a live thing at their San Leandro, uh, their San Leandro location sometime I'm thinking soon. Uh, maybe world, if, if they're ready yeah, to rock. Yeah, postseason, I'm thinking yeah. World, world Series. Watch party. I'm down. Sit, you know, wait, wait for details. Time for happy hour. Can we have our ending, please? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.